Can comic books help save our culture? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our Cardio Miracle Studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. Want to learn how to improve your heart health with an amazing supplement? Well, go ahead, stick around. We'll talk about that later. But first, joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show today, talking about how, yes, in fact, comic books can help impact the culture from the Voluntarius series. Jack Lloyd, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Doing great, buddy. Great to have you on the show. And I got to say, Jack, I'm embarrassed. It's taken us how many years now of us being uh, buddies there on social media and, and meeting in person to now actually having you on the show. So I need to apologize first off. But secondly, man, I'm so excited to have you on the show because you are doing amazing stuff, impacting the culture, specifically through meeting people where they're at on the issues they care about in the entertainment space. I want to dig into all that stuff. But first, do me a favor. Do, go ahead, introduce yourself here to the Brian Nichols Show audience. And what are you doing in this whole world of comics? Sure. I really appreciate that. So I do a lot of different things for Liberty. I'm, I'm basically a producer for Liberty, which means that I'm doing all different types of educational outreaches uh, to people using memes, educational videos, skits, nonfiction books, and as you know, of course, uh, comic books and music as well. So I've been doing this quite some time now, uh, you know, at least the, the comic book side now uh, over 10 years. And I've, you know, been uh, in the Liberty space uh, well over 15 years at this point, uh, you know, kind of learning, growing, and then of course, sharing that knowledge with others. And before all this, I was a, a criminal defense attorney and uh, later government school teacher and then tutoring company owner. Um, and eventually I, I started to move away from, from those things and started to uh, work more um, on projects that I really cared about. In the Wait, library. hold on. You were an attorney, you were a teacher. How old are you? Uh, well, I'm not young. <laughs> I would give the exact age, but no, it's okay. I, yeah. I was gonna say, Jack, for for our audio <laughs> listeners, by the way, Jack looks like he's like 24. So, so that's that's why I'm asking the question. Sorry, Jack. Continue. No, it's, it's all good. Yeah, a lot of times people think that uh, maybe I'm a little younger <laughs> from how I look, but yeah, I, I've lived a little bit longer than, than people might expect. So, uh, but yeah, so after doing all those different things, I, I just really wanted to take some of the things I was passionate about when it came to the mainstream. Like I really liked, you know, nerddom with comics and superhero movies and, and things like that. And so I started to think about how I could integrate that with the principles of liberty and voluntarism. And I started to work on some concepts, did some cosplay things that eventually came to like a film script idea. But then I realized that would cost too much money to do right. It's, you know, you just really have to have a big budget to do that. But comic books was a lot more attainable. And so I kind of switched there and pivoted toward the comic book world and started to develop uh, a comic book treatment and then eventually developed that into issues and then did some prototyping. And then after many years of doing the prototyping, I got to doing the canon origin story and we just completed a remaster. And actually, uh, if you see right here, it's now in this uh, beautiful trade paperback format. So we actually have this 192 page uh, voluntarist um, comic book, a trade paperback, I love that. What does it mean to be truly free? And, it, you know, it, it's got lots of different things going on inside Look there. That. Um, <laughs> and that represents the uh, individual uh, comic books here, you could say. So, um, you know, basically you have these uh, six 
single issues yeah. that also is in that uh, compendium uh, that you can see right there. So this has been, uh, you know, a big project of love. And now finally, uh, we have something that is, in my opinion, a really competitive, mainstream competitive, beautiful, well-written, and, you know, something that I'm just super proud of at this point. And we're getting ready for our next comic book campaign arc launch coming up at the end of October. So it's going to be called the Suit Sagas. The next arc is, you know, coming off of Origins um, and working on that first issue and whatever else comes from that. So really thankful for where we're at now. Uh, Lots of learning along the way, but it seems like it's a great time for the independent creator universe to kind of flourish. I think Eric July's Ripperverse is just one among many uh, successful examples of that. So Yeah, you brought up Eric July. He was the first person that popped in my head with Ripperverse because he he did a crowdfunding campaign. He raised like what? It was well over six, seven figures, right? So he did uh, what was uh, called a pre-order campaign. So he had his own website and the comics were already made. And so people were just putting in pre-orders and then he gathered those up and his first campaign on the face, it was about 3.7 million. I think it's probably closer to 4 million with stuff that was sold after. And then his second campaign um, did about 2.3 million. So uh, very successful, um, probably one of the most successful independent comic productions to date um, up there with uh, Ethan Van Shiver, uh, you know, who's kind of the, the, father of uh, comics gate you know this kind of uh, uh, movement of artists moving out of the mainstream because they're just you know tired of their nonsense mm-hmm. um so it's really exciting um you know and i've been doing this way ahead of even all those people like i you know i saw the writing on the wall way back um in 2012 you know and was uh, beginning on this then and so it's kind of crazy to see how far this has come and how serious people are taking it in the parallel economy yeah. um looking yeah. at you know alternatives and, and independent creators yeah, and one thing I wanted to uh, to go back towards was something that you raised up, you know, specifically in this independent creator space, and it's the reason why we have independent creators because the the more shall we say institution of the you know the comic book uh, entities that were out there, those institutions they weren't responding to the demands of their readers, and there was an a very real and dare I say, like palatable demand and need from that, that consumer base. And you hit the nail on the head, man. Like there is a market for this. And not only is there a market for this, you guys are, are proving that in, in, in the success that you're having, both you, Eric July and others. I know our, our buddies there, Remzo Martinez and, uh, and Mark Claire have their podcast, second print comics. They're talking about a lot of these comics, uh, you know, more from a cultural perspective as well. And in some cases doing more critiques, uh, you're out there, Jack, making comics, right? You're, you're setting the narratives. You're helping establish culture. So with that, I, I think it's really good for us to, to maybe transition our conversation towards the feedback, right? Because it's one thing to have the idea. It's one thing to say, we think there's a market. Now we're seeing the market. And obviously you guys are selling your books, which means that people are buying them. But I need to hear what's been the response. What have been you know the, the, the feedback you've been getting when people are, are going ahead and purchasing Voluntarist? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's been evolving over time because during the first, I would say, half of, you know, my years doing this, a lot of it was kind of figuring things out, prototyping, doing some insider humor, like with the state of zombies issue. And eventually, you know, while that was fun to try to do some insider humor, it's not necessarily you know, expand as expandable into the wider market. So I, I decided to shift gears and actually just really focus on the canon origin story. Cause the whole point is that uh, my comic series is not some type of preachy thing in any way. It's not meant to be, um, you know, some, like Jack chick, attract or something it's it's actually a real story and you know a character development and conflict and a purpose and a plot it's just that 
my comic universe does what no other will ever do, which is, you know, turn the status norms of comics on their head and not treat government as a default good or just something that needs a little bit of correction or just has some few bad apples. So that's really where I stand out is I'm willing to do things and to have character development and plots that nobody else will ever touch, um, you know, in this realm. And even if they come close, it's usually more so on the, the, communist socialist bent. So I, I definitely think I'm doing something unique, you know, in that realm. And certainly with, um, you know, the improvements I've made and how hard I've worked to, you know, try to listen and see what people are really interested in, what would be better. Um, just reading through everything I could possibly can online, you know, from Reddit to direct messages, you know, just improving things along the way to, you know, what makes sense. And now, um, from what I've seen, what I've heard from my fulfillment on this last campaign, which was the most, you know, successful ever, um, raising, you know, nearly a 20K, that was, um, you know, great overall. So the, the feedback I got from people there was that they really liked what we did with the remaster and how developed this universe is now. So it, it's really something impressive and something you can you know, dive into and then at the end of it be like, okay, I got to know what happens next. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty fun. Now, I, I'm interested. I know my audience is interested, Jack. You've started to paint the picture a little bit of the, the actual comic series itself. Tell us a little bit about what this world is. Like, what, what's, what's the protagonist? What's the antagonist? What's their struggles? What's the, the kind of the, the themes that you're, you're touching on? I would love to just to get some context here. Sure. So uh, the comic book opens up um, with the protagonist, uh, whose name is Jack Lloyd. And this is just, you know, a stage name down here, but it ties to the comic. So this character is, uh, you know, set back in 2012, uh, just graduating from college. And there is a, a cosmic event that kind of shifts everything that this character thought, you know, he's going to be doing. He was coming back home to work on his parents' farm before he was going to go uh, and basically follow up from a, a, an internship to a job. And that kind of throws things off for him. Um, and all of a sudden, the government is after him after he's affected by this cosmic event. And so the story really revolves around uh, this character and his struggle for you know figuring out what it is that the government wants to do with him and why and you know ultimately why the government comes in and kidnaps his parents um and so along the way there's definitely other characters that come into play that um help him there's questions of of who you know is is are people he can trust um and there's of course the questions of what the government was was planning to do and why they're after these people who are affected by this cosmic event um so it's a ever expanding universe it's it's something that there's a, a chronology to and there's a fixed timeline so i just like uh you know with um other creators who are in the zone there's no there's no uh multiverse you know kind of thing like everything <laughs> has serious continuity um and you, you mean you mean somebody can't just like nuke one planet in in one universe and that that you know oh that's okay that was in universe 3742 that doesn't matter to the main storyline none of that nonsense right. Right. So okay. that, that's that's true. I've always um, held that for the story that I've always wanted to to make sure that this had uh, a valuable continuity and timeline where, you know, the, the events prior matter for the future. And, you know, I don't mess with that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that is is very unusual in, in terms of the developments, because, again, you know, there's tons of superhero comics out there, obviously. So that's nothing new or special. There's tons of comics with this mystery about what the government's doing and this or that. Um, but there are virtually no comic books in this 
genre and in the zone that actually dive into the nature of what the government's doing and that question of what it means to be truly free and how do people you know get to being truly free and so that premise underpins a lot of the the development and the the action and and so on and so forth so you know that that's a kind of a small a snippet of an insight into into how it goes. Absolutely, and, and trust me, I don't want you to give the farm away, right? Like we we want <laughs> folks to to have a reason to go out and, and purchase this comic series. And and frankly, I think you know where I wanted to maybe turn the second half of this conversation is to talk about where you're doing well and where other libertarians in the cultural arena have eh, maybe not been doing so hot. But before we go there, Jack, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to today's sponsor. Folks, you know them, you love them. Well, I hope you know them a little bit at this point. It is Cardio Miracle. Cardio Miracle is our studio sponsor. And folks, I've been using Cardio Miracle now for about four and a half, five months. And I say it every ad read, yes, indeed, the Cardio Miracle difference is real. So if you are like the millions of Americans out there who are feeling sluggish, run down, constantly fatigued, well, guess what? It's time to recharge not just your body, but your heart in an all-natural, safe way using Cardio Miracle. Cardio Miracle is a scientifically crafted supplement that boosts nitric oxide levels to help promote healthy circulation and heart function. And how it works, by relaxing blood vessels, Cardio Miracle enhances the blood flow and reduces inflammation. What that means is you're going to experience the benefits of uh, improved delivery of oxygen oxygen and nutrients to power your days with energy, lower blood pressure, providing vital support to your cardiovascular system. And folks, the advantages keep coming. Fall asleep faster, wake up refreshed, protect your heart from damage, and of course, say goodbye to feeling drained. So if you want to take control of your health and experience what optimized heart health feels like, visit cardiomiracle.com. Use code TBNS at checkout and you will receive a 15% uh, discount on your Cardio Miracle order. So I, I, I got to say, folks, like there is quite literally no risk here because did I mention there's a 100% money back guarantee? That's right. So if you want to take part in the 52 life heart saving crucial ingredients that are out there in Cardio Miracle, one more time, cardiomiracle.com, use code TBNS for 15% off your order. Cardio Miracle, the finest heart health supplement in the world. Jack, okay. We talk about uh, you doing great. You're having success in the cultural arena. And then I look at other libertarians out there and I say, guys, what are we doing? So you're doing something right. Obviously, there are others who maybe could use some guidance. So Jack, where are other libertarians missing the mark when it comes to entering into these cultural conversations? So it depends on the person, of course. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, when it comes to customer service and, you know, product quality, those are, those are two big deals that uh, can readily be missed. Um, so when you're trying to provide something that, that's unique out there, you got to make sure that whatever you're doing is somewhat competitive within the zone, whether it's an independent thing or mainstream. So, you know, you may have good ideas, but if you don't execute them well for, you know, the zone that you're working in, well, it's not going to matter too much because people are like, ah, that's not very, you know, good quality product, right? There's going to be certain expectations of what people expect to see within something, uh, you know, and some people have some, you know, patience for certain kinds of growth you know, with, with a new business. But again, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that um, everything you're presenting really looks competitive within the zone that you're you're trying to be in. 
And uh, sometimes that is tough for people if they think that what they're making is is good or quality enough. If they if they think, oh, well, I just like doing this thing and they're not willing to have a growth mindset and look and see what else is out there and what the comparatives are and how you stack up. If you don't have that, then you might be missing your opportunities for how you can improve and, and you know stay competitive in that way. Um, so, you know, for me in my own work, you know, the th- I definitely paid attention to what people said um, as I was learning and, you know, definitely took cues about how to do things better when it came, when it came to uh, lettering and spacing and certain design elements and, and, you know, work my way through the things that, which led to the remaster. So, um, that's something to always be mindful of when you're trying to bring something to bear to everybody else that you want to make sure that what you're offering actually is something that is competitive within the zone that you're offering it, you know? Yeah. And, and value too, man. Like you're bringing value to the table and, Man, this is just the reality. Like, if you're just creating another product to be white noise, it's going to be white noise. You have to create something that's unique, that's value-driven, and it's, frankly, addressing where there are concerns in the marketplace that aren't being addressed. And you're doing that. And you're, you're again, entering into the cultural conversations, but in a unique way. And you're bringing value. I love that, Jack. And and for the audience out there who's listening, I'm sure that they're, you know, they're, they're all super curious at this point. Like, this, this sounds great. Um, I want to get involved. So, Jack, where can folks go ahead, support you, learn more about Voluntarius, all that kind of fun stuff? So they can uh, follow along at volcomic.com. That's V as in victory, V-O-L-C-O-M-I-C.com, volcomic.com. Um, my main personal website now that's up is Jack, J-C-K-V as in victory, Lloyd, L-L-O-I-D, jackvloyd.com. Um, and, you know, between those, you know, you see a lot of, of what I do or connect to different projects and things like that because, there's a lot going on with what I do just, you know, beyond the comics too. I just came out with, and it's actually so fresh. I don't even have my official copy yet. That's the non, uh, you know, not for Risa one, the author's proof, but my latest nonfiction book just came out. And of course, you know, there's artful covers with that, which comes in the heels of my other two libertarian voluntarism, definitive guide there. And then, um, vision for a libertarian future. So my third nonfiction book also just came out recently. So with a lot of great fanfare off the, the past two. Awesome so, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I I think, um, and how about this? We'll go towards our final thoughts today, Jack. I'll kick things off before I turn it over to you. Um, I think this episode, it just it helps reaffirm what we've been promoting here on the program now for the past year. And, and for folks who've been with me for the long haul, you know that I have sometimes avoided cultural conversations. I just didn't want to get involved, right? Like I, I wanted to focus on solutions. I wanted to focus on like how do we how do we sell our ideas? But then I realized that we we have to do both, right? You you can walk and chew gum at the same time. And if you're not taking part in the cultural conversations, somebody else is. And what happens is is that when somebody else is taking part in leading that cultural conversation, they're now establishing narratives. And those narratives, because they're based in culture, they become rooted in the identity of the people who are in, in embracing it and absorbing it and promoting it. Now, I think back to like, think of, of Star Wars, think of Harry Potter, think of Lord of the Rings, like think of the culture that that revolves around the mythos. Think of, I mean, I had uh, Stephen Kent here on the show. He wrote the uh, the awesome book, How the Force Can Save the World. And he goes into the the philosophy of Star Wars. And it's so cool because he's digging into things from a very, a very libertarian lens. 
and he he adds value to that cultural conversation. But there are other folks out there who I know that they're, they're they would be more than happy to lead with their own narratives, right? And we see that happen where the progressive ideology will will seep its way into these different areas of culture and then try to take over to lead with their narratives. You see it especially in the Harry Potter world, right? Like all the the, the millennials out there who who were reading Harry Potter back when they were in school. Now, I mean say what? 70% of them are probably, you know, in their their mid to late 30s and I would say they're probably leaning left if not overtly progressive Democrats. And there's a reason that we in the the cultural space on the right side of the aisle, I'd say, and just using the right, you know, in the the uh, pejorative sense, but like we haven't had too much success in building culture, and with that, we're seeing the impact not just at the the way that the, the country has been turning in terms of its electorate, but also in the the way that our policies have have been really forming here over the past uh, few decades. So. I think what you're doing, what Eric July is doing, what folks across the uh, the, the spectrum, whether it's in in media, in in uh, you know, the arts, whatever it may be, that are bringing real like alternatives to these cultural uh, conversations. Not only is it like a value add, it's imperative because if we're not doing it, someone else is, and I, I want to make sure we're the ones setting the narratives instead of responding to them. That's my final thoughts, Jack. What do you have for us on your end? Yeah, I, I think that um, being a part of the creative and cultural drive is is absolutely important. And a lot of times it's difficult or was difficult for people within the liberty space to be as engaged or competitive uh, because they didn't have what I would consider to be a, a beautiful aesthetic uh, to what it is that they presented. There's lots of people who are good with the you know economic side of things in terms of writing or maybe philosophy in terms of, you know, again, just just books. But few and far between had the beautiful aesthetics that are needed both in presentation uh, of a person and uh, quality of product and art. So you need to have strong visuals that that really connect with people with whatever it is that you're presenting. Um, and so, as you noted correctly, that a lot of times the people in the leftist to progressive arena seem to have a stronger hold on that when it comes to Hollywood and mainstream entertainment. Um, they seem to have the kind of cluster of all the great movies and shows and the fashion um, and and often, you know, the art as well. And I think that has actually shifted, um, especially in the last 10 years. I think that we started to see uh, a bit of a renaissance in, in creative uh, opportunities and, and beauty within our own space. And I think that's been a part of um, people starting to move beyond just the philosophy aspects, the economics aspects, and applying it in the real world, and then uh, people finding the resources to be able to to fund those things. I think, for example, you know, Tuttle Twins is a great example mm-hmm. of that. Um, the artwork there, you know, is very excellent, mainstream competitive. They got with Dan Harmon to do their TV show, which again, the animation is mainstream competitive. So, you know, when it comes to the success here, you need to have things that are, you know, uh, rivaling what it is that you're seeing of other people in, in the other idea space. And uh, we, we've definitely seen that growth uh, come up, you know, exponentially over time as people have started to figure out how to do that and have had enough people, I, I guess you could say, um, to be able to support those larger scale visions. You know, even I think of uh, Larkin Rose, he had just uh, released a, a new movie called Jones Plantation. 
which I'd seen at Pork Fest. Um, and overall, you know, the cinema quali- quality there was was pretty good, and so was the acting. So, you know, in order to get there, in a, a lot of times, uh, you need the total population uh, to be large enough that they can help fund something that actually is that that level of good. You need to have the resources in order to do that. So we are definitely coming to that kind of shift um, where there's enough people in our space within this uh, you know libertarian paradigm who are willing to be out there and to support people doing good work and help them be able to create these next level cultural pieces, you know, in movies and artwork and you know comics, whatever, um, to be able to to really start to compete with um, the mainstream. Jack Lloyd, we could keep going on and on and on. But unfortunately, I looked at the time. We are already hard-pressed for time, which means we must be uh, starting the goodbyes. So with that, um, folks, you know where to go ahead and follow me. At bnicholslibertyx.com, Facebook. Jack, where can folks go ahead and find you? They want to continue the conversation. Again, um, Jack V. Lloyd, uh, J-A-C-K, V is in victory, L-L-O-Y-D dot com, or Vol Comic, that's V is in victory, O-L-C-O-M-I-C dot com. Those are my two main places but then you'll find me anywhere and everywhere I, I really am all over the internet in ways that sometimes i don't even know myself i get surprised when people are like oh hey you're in this you know video of someone making fun of a meme I'm like oh okay <laughs> so you show up everywhere man you're you're showing up in videos you're showing up online heck you we were at young americans for liberty last year and you showed up right behind me so you show up everywhere it's awesome um jack no truly i i really want to reemphasize how great the work is that you're doing and how important it is, right? So folks, if you enjoyed today's conversation and you agree that Jack's work is important, well, please go ahead, share today's conversation. When you do, please tag yours truly and tag Jack. Also, now you can find us on a couple different platforms. Yes, there it is, Voluntarius Series. Go ahead and grab yours. Now you can find us on a couple different platforms. From a podcasting perspective, all your traditional mediums, YouTube Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcast, just hit that subscribe button. And uh, also, if you're you're interested, we have like over 770 other episodes of the program. So go back to episode one, fast forward like six years to today, all those episodes, lots of awesome, awesome guests, awesome, awesome conversations. Or if you want to go ahead and consume the video content, we well, can go ahead and do that on YouTube, Rumble, uh, Sovereign, wherever it is you get your video content. If it is Sovereign, S-O-V-R-E-N, which is Ben Swan from Reality Checks Entity, uh, congratulations. You're seeing today's episode before anybody else. That's your Sovereign exclusive. But if you are joining us on your more traditional platforms like YouTube or Rumble, hey, thank you. And uh, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, little notification bell, and of course, Uh, Leave us your thoughts down below in the comments. Do you like getting involved in the cultural conversations? Is it uncomfortable for you? Would this be a tool in your tool belt for helping reach new people? We want to hear about it. So please leave your thoughts down below. But I think that's all we really have for you, folks. So uh, with that being said, Jack mentioned the amazing team over at um, the the Libertas Institute. They, They are the guys who produce the Tuttle Twins. I'm going to go ahead and include here, if you're joining us on YouTube, my conversation with Connor Boyack from the Libertas Institute. Great, great guy. And he talks about all the great work they're doing with the Tuttle Twins. So if you want to go ahead and check out that conversation, stick around. It'll be popping up right about here. But otherwise, that's all we have for you today, folks. That being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Jack Lloyd. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.